Once again, we are talking about the revelations of the curse. We are on part three of this mini-series, and we are talking about the curse as it relates to women. The woman, in the story to be most specific, uh, for the woman, God said that her offspring would be the enemy to the offspring of the snake. Her pains in giving birth would be amplified, and she would long for her husband, who would rule over her. A very strange statement right there. Now, in part, I think that her curse addresses a fallen part of men's nature. Uh, instead of being the Christ-like protector, provider, uh, that God designed him to be, that instead he would want to rule over people. And his wife, in this case between Adam and Eve, Eve would long for Adam and he would rule over her. Now Matthew 20, 25-26, we see how men and people in general are supposed to behave and are supposed to be towards one another when they want to lead, when they want to have power. It says in uh, Matthew 20, 25 through 26, Jesus called his disciples together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And then in verse 28, he says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus is telling about the right way to perform your role of headship, of leadership. Nonetheless, it appears that part of the woman's curse is also corrective in a sense. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11.3, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 11.3, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man. So the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. 1 Corinthians 11 continues by going more into the creation order when addressing the relation to, relationship between men and women. And I encourage you to read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in regards to this topic. The feminist movement has a motto they came up with a long time ago. It says that a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. That's kind of mean, isn't it? Again, it's a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Now, men, as messed up as we are, we have no problem wanting to be involved with women. A man sees a woman and he admires her for her beauty and for her elegance, and that's even before getting to know her. Now, again, there is a fallen element uh, to man's nature and how they develop relationships with women and even how they look at women. But we got to admit, no matter what anybody tells you, men like women, period. 
the way society has attempted to reprogram girls and women has been sinister. We have said that any expectation for a girl to want to get married or to want to have children is just a societal construct, a societal expectation. I don't know about you, but I remember growing up, uh, and I'm talking about when I was in elementary school, all the girls dreamt of the day they would get married. They had this image of Prince Charming in their minds, and they could not wait. They were making their wedding plans when they were 8 to 10 years old. So they are really, really young. And that's because they saw that their parents were married, and they wanted that for their own lives. And I made a funny observation the other day. Society says that a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Well, that basically says that tying yourself down with a relationship just holds you back and gives in to another person's expectations. Well, what I have observed, and I'm sure that you probably have too, you might not have thought about it, but you probably have observed it, is that ladies who don't think that they need a man to satisfy their longing for love end up what? Falling into the arms of another woman. I would say that's cheap love. It's counterfeit love. In fact, it's not love at all. It's just gratifying their own desires in a way that goes against God's design. In fact, a study by George Barna discovered that 40% of Generation Z, oftentimes called Gen Z, identifies as LGBT. These are people between the ages of 18 and 24. So, out of 100 people between the ages of 18 and 24, out of 100 people, 40 of them identify as LGBT. This is a drastic change in generations past, and I'm sorry, it's not natural. That is societal programming. But what it all boils down to is a matter of headship. The Bible says that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. This is a serious issue that if we can't get it right, we've got some huge problems on the horizon. You probably remember last week when I interrupted the service. Now last week, I had to address something during the service, and that being something that was in our prayer of confession, where it referred to God as mother in the Trinitarian sense. I'm sorry, God. No, I'm not sorry. God is not mother. In fact, after reading the whole thing of our prayer of confession, it said that God is mother, lover, and friend the same way that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God is not mother. God is not lover. And God is not friend. Yes, God does love you. And yes, God can be your friend, but not in the same way that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
to say otherwise is absolutely heretical because that is what God's word reveals to us. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The headship in the Trinity is our model for headship in our homes and in the church. In 1 Corinthians 11, it doesn't say that men are in charge of absolutely everything and that women are subject to absolutely everything. It starts off by saying that Christ, Jesus, is the head of men. This is a reminder to men that you are not the ruler of all things. Christ is in charge and you will answer to him. And then a reminder to women, the head of a woman is man. So women's role is to acknowledge that the leaders in the church and their husbands should be that of submitting to Jesus. Thus, God's expectation for you is to respect his position. The man is answerable to Christ for his family and for the church. When we say that women don't need men, what we are really saying is that there is no headship. Everyone is their own God. Follow your heart. Follow your feelings. Follow whatever it is that makes you feel good about yourself. Whatever you do, don't listen to that chump that talks about the Bible every Sunday morning. This past week, I happened to listen to a sermon by Pastor Chuck Swindoll about David before he was king. Not King David, but David before he was king. So Shepherd David or Warrior David, however you want to look at him. And he talked about a story of David's encounter with a foolish man by the name of Nabal. David provided protection for Nabal's shepherds, but when David asked a favor of Nabal, he was met with insults. It infuriated David, so much so that he told 400 of his men to strap on swords because they were going to kill Nabal. Fortunately for Nabal, he didn't know about this, but his wife went to David with an offering of food. She knew her husband all too well and his stubbornness. In fact, she went to David and told him that her husband is a stubborn and foolish man. So she went without her husband's permission, told David this information, and then she gave him this offering, and it turned away David's wrath. So David spared Nabal after this because Abigail was looking out for the best interests of her husband. Now, the reason I bring this up is because we get scared when we hear the word submission. Submission does not mean that you are like a zombie and just mindlessly give in to stuff. It does not mean to be compliant with evil I even mentioned that in this case, the wife didn't even bother consulting her husband. Submission, in this context, is looking out for the best interests of your spouse and acting wisely to see that they are fulfilled. It wasn't in Nabal's best interest 
to be murdered over a couple of sheep. We live in tumultuous times. We think that men are women and that women are men and that men can decide to be women and women can decide to be men whenever they feel like it. Who God created you to be isn't about you. It is about his glory and his image. He made you beautifully and perfectly, marrying your body, spirit, and mind together to honor him. Man is no better than woman, and woman is no better than man. If we start getting away from who God created us to be, our country will descend into a chaos darker than that of Sodom and Gomorrah. It is wrong to say that women don't need men, and it's wrong to say men don't need women. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. I'd like to thank you for joining me for today's sermon. Again, my name is Bill Sang from Faith Presbyterian Church. You can join us at our church services on Sunday morning at 1030 at Faith Presbyterian Church. Thank you, and don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.